Hi, this is Mike McNamara, and you're listening to All Marine Radio on your home for it, the one and only All Warrior Radio Network. Saturday morning to you. Mike McNamara for a Saturday edition of... All Marine Radio, right here on your home for it. The one and only All Warrior Radio Network. Hope you're having a good day wherever you are on the Saturday. Um going to start doing our little ops intel thing uh, now that I'm home from traveling and speaking so I've got time to service that so we're going to do that and uh, you're going to hear uh, Jeff is traveling today but Will uh, Will's in Florida and uh, he um, he took some time to be able to Spent about an hour doing this. And then uh, Tim Lynch joined me from McAllen, Texas. So uh, you'll hear Will and Tim. And uh, again, I mean, details are obviously difficult. But, you know, we know essentially on the axis is that the operation is proceeding. And we know by the consistency of the message, right, from virtually every source that the Ukrainians... The Ukrainian military and even citizens are giving the Russians more than they can handle, which is which is really from everybody, which is honestly stunning. Stunning. This is not supposed to be the way that this works. And, uh, and so it's been uh, an amazing 24 hours in which uh, the courage of 
Ukrainian soldiers is, um, you know, in spite of being alone and unafraid and their aviation assets um, decimated by the Russian uh, air forces, um, then it means we're going to get it on with these dudes, man. All right? Dig your holes deep because we're going to need that. And evidently they did. And they evidently they did, they did smart stuff and tough guy stuff. So it's uh, it's pretty amazing to see news trickle out. Obviously, this thing is a ways from over. But um, let me tell you, it doesn't get better from here. It gets worse. And so uh, we're going to talk about that today. Um, uh, Will was uh, was embedded, and you'll hear him talk about this, but he was embedded with the uh, first one meth during the march up. So these kind of offensive operations he has seen. I had the opportunity to be a part of uh, the 1st Marine Division in 2004 when we laid uh, siege to the city of Fallujah twice and then uh, and then went back to Fallujah in 2006 and was part of uh, the 5th Marine Regiment when we tried to keep control of that thing. And let me tell you, I mean, Kiev is a city of 3 million people. I mean, it would take half the Russian military that's in Ukraine to get that thing anywhere close to being cooled out. And so, you know, one of the things you've heard us say in the lead up to this is if he creates a broader offensive, he's really rolling the dice. And so um, I think what you're seeing is that he did that. And that it is not going as planned, which is really interesting. And the latest news this afternoon or here at about noon on on, uh, Saturday on the West Coast. We recorded this a couple hours ago, but I had to do some post-traumatic winning stuff, so I'm just getting to it now um, in terms of producing it. Um, We had to... uh, You're seeing now the allies, two huge things, are getting evidently ready to announce that the SWIFT system will no longer include the Russians, okay? And then one other thing that I've seen bandied about today uh, in major, major um, in major, major news is that Germany will now sell arms to Ukraine. Germany was the the great question in all this. Would they stay with the West? Would they say we're independent? We don't want to piss Russia off because we get so much of our energy from them. And so um, with this act, Germany throws in squarely behind NATO, the Western Alliance, and honestly, stunning, stunning news events, right? Stunning, stunning news events in the last 24 hours. And now you're forced to consider this. What happens if he fails? Where does that leave him? Where does that leave Russia? I mean, the unthinkable, the mighty Soviet army that he had retooled. Well, let me tell you this. It takes more than retooling your hardware, right, to launch operations like this, especially against somebody who will fight against you and the the Ukrainian military is. So, without further ado, 
uh, Will Cosentini joins me along with um, along with Tim Lynch, and here they are. We did this a while ago, and uh, I've been kind of traveling and not able to uh, tend to this thing the way I normally would. But uh, today's the first event that we will do in in uh, in kind of our open ops, uh, open source ops intel for the, Russia's invasion of Ukraine. So um, joining me this morning, uh, Jeffrey is uh, is flying today, headed for his mother's birthday. And uh, will you guys be in the same state, Will? Is she in Florida? Uh, yeah, if he gets here today, because I'm not leaving until tomorrow. There you go. Heckle and Jekyll together again in the same <laughs> in the same state. Right? Yeah, but it's a big state, you know. So. <laughs> it's a big state. Um, so uh, joining me from Florida is Will Costantini. Will, good morning. How are you? Breeze here in Florida. That's probably 60 degrees more than it is in Kansas. So it's good. And um, you're fired up this morning. You're headed where? What are you doing? Would, have you, have you the, so excited? We are going to watch the ponies run at the Tampa Bay Downs. Really? <laughs> are you a pony guy? I mean, you're... you Only seen... when I'm in Florida. Well, that would be a yes then. Okay. So give me... Um, when we used to go in Sacramento, they built this thing called the Cal Expo. And where they have the California Exposition, the State Fair, um, which is a pimple on the on the Orange County Fair or the L.A. Fair, the L.A. Fair has the single funniest commercial I think I've ever seen in my life. Um, and it's I don't know if I ever played the audio. Did I play the audio for you guys once? Because it is fucking hysterical. Um, it's three women, a mother with two teenage girls, shopping in a boutique in Los Angeles. And another girl waiting on her who, who appears to be in her 20s. And one girl says, um, oh, my God, I love this sweater, right? It's cashmere, right? And she says, where does cashmere come from? And then the mother says, you know, it comes from a cow. And then the other girl says, the kind with, and then she puts her fingers over the top of her head like, and she makes, like, antlers or, or tusks or something like that. And the other girl looks at her and says, yes, the kind with hoofs, right? And, I, and I'm screwing this up, but it is so fucking funny, right? And um, then the, the narrator says, every county needs a fair, right? <laughs> right? <laughs> come to the Los Angeles County Fair. But I remember the first time I saw that, and I'll find it because I still have it. It is fu it is so funny, but anyway. Um, but anyway, Cal Expo, they had, a, they had harness racing there. And so my friends and I would go out there, and it's like, okay, well, how do you bet on this? You know, you know by color, do you, you know, do you like the jockey? Like, what do we do? So we, we, we used to eavesdrop on the conversations of older men. Like, what are they saying? So we'd, like, act like we were talking to each other, but we'd stand near them and we'd eavesdrop. And it turned one of my friends into a gambling addict, which hasn't been good. Um, but I think he's gone on to bigger and better things. I think he's become a bookie. So, um, yeah, so our little trips as 18-year-olds to Cal Expo. Uh, but do you have a strategy, Will? Are you a data analyst, like the jockey, the horse, you know? No, my buddy down here is really into it. 
he uh, he he knows the jockeys. He knows the trainers, uh, and so he showed you how to read the racing form. Um, and then it's, I mean, if I bet a total of a hundred dollars today, it'll be a lot. But it's a matter of uh, what is what is going on, Preto. No, it's it's there's something funny and fun about being in the uh, you know in the grandstand yelling at the number eight horse, which you don't even know the name or anything about it, <laughs> to see it come down and see if it can win. So it's a lot of fun. All right, all right. So Will's in Florida. What city in Florida are you in? Tampa. Tampa. Um, and then joining me from McAllen, Texas, is uh, Tim Lynch. Tim, good morning. How are you? Yeah, doing just fine, Matt. 37 degrees and sunny here, which is uh, um, a shocker to the locals. But, um, you know, not bad for, for regular folk. Yeah, you look bundled up. I am. It's 41 here in Costa Mesa, so I've got my hoodie and uh, I've got my uh, my fleece over the hoodie. Because I know how to layer things. North Dakota taught me that. I just got a couple of fresher classes from Alaska and Wisconsin, so I'm uh, I'm all about it. Uh, let's talk about uh, let's talk about the operation itself. Um, if you get out a map, uh, you're you're essentially going to see that that and and you guys can chime in here because I'm I'm no expert, but but you know three different axes of attack, right? And uh, so let's talk about that. Um, uh, so when you guys look at the maps that you've seen, what jumps out of, at you at, at the maps? The, the only uh, thrust that appeared to be successful in the first few days here has been the one that came out of the Crimea, which is the 423rd Motorized Rifle Regiment of the 4th Tank Division and uh, 1st Tank Army. They, they seem to have made decent progress. The other two thrusts, uh, coming out of Russia and then uh, um, uh, Russia and Belarus, those seem to have been checked and in some cases possibly reversed. It's uh, it's um, it looked like a decapitation, uh, a lot of shock and awe with the precision weapons, and it does not look like it worked at all. All right, well, um, your thoughts as you, as you, and again, just so everybody knows, I mean. We're, this is op all open source stuff, right? So we're looking at like uh, maps from the BBC is the one I, I found uh, that, that I'm looking at. It, you were looking at, um, you know, just open source stuff and, and where they're coming from. And so it's it's flawed. But I think um, our experience in life and, and our studies will at least allow us to give you some insight into this. So, Will, your thoughts. And again, Will, Will uh, during the March Up, Will. You watched one of these, right? So uh, before you start talking, explain to everybody what you did in the March Up in 2003. Oh, in the March Up, I was I was still in the Pentagon. Um, I was at uh, Headquarters Marine Corps, and I was, uh, you know, I was scheduled to go take command of 1st LAR that summer um, and was, you know, I just completed the, the FAO training, so... I thought that there was a decent chance that the 1st Marine Division might need a command-slated lieutenant colonel who also happened to be a Middle East FAO to come out there, but they obviously didn't, or at least people in headquarters Marine Corps didn't think they did. But I knew people over in the Joint Staff uh, 
who, you know, they're not the planners. CENTCOM is a planner, but they had the plans. Uh, so I saw the, uh, you know, I saw the plan at that level um, and was able to uh, sort of track that. And then if I remember right, we used to do a ops intel brief with the commandant, I, I think like three times a week back then. And uh, so you could see it from there uh, just to to see what was going on, but then also to see what, what the news was reporting and try and reconcile uh, those two things. So I didn't have a ringside seat. I had a distant seat and no ability to touch any of the controls, which was probably the best thing. Um, <laughs> and then I got there. I ended up going forward and arrived in... Baghdad, I think I got there the day after the stat, the statue of Saddam fell. So the war was basically over at that point. That was like April uh, 15th or so. And then uh, came home on Memorial Day. So I was there for about six weeks. But you, so, got, but you, you had a pretty good seat in terms of uh, the big Blue Arrow look. In terms oh, yeah. Of stuff. Yeah. yeah. Um, and the difference, I got to tell you, the difference between then and now is then you knew what the American order of battle was. And you had a pretty good idea what the Iraqi order of battle was based on our collection. Here, the, the hard thing that I've had is I don't watch any video uh, of this. Um, I I think that the video is distracting and it's very narrow, you right. know. Oh, look, the plane blew up. Does that mean the world came to an end or that one person's life came to an end and the plane blew up? Well, the video is attempting to sell you on a certain um, uh, certain sort of narrative. So I don't watch the video. And when I read it, uh, I have yet to find anything um that's really got sort of order of battle and then trying to interpret what the order of battle is. I've seen, I believe, Ukrainian units identified, but I have no idea what they are, and you don't have any idea what strength they're at or what the material condition is. You know, and I've heard terms like tank army thrown around. Right? A tank army, in theory, is two or more corps. A corps is two or more divisions. So that should be like four divisions of armor minimum. But I don't know that we've and, seen and, that and, quantity. In a, a division, what, uh, somewhere between fifteen and 20,000, if it was an infantry division, right? Yeah. Somewhere if it's between an that. armored division, maybe it's 12,000, 12, 14,000 people, but a, it, it would have to be... Uh, uh, Let's see. It'd have to be like a division would have to have 300 tanks. If a battalion's got, you know, 60 to 80, two battalions in a regiment, you know, at a minimum, 120, 160, two regiments to a division. So 250 to 350 tanks. And so a, a, a tank army, you would think, would have something on the order of 1,200 tanks. Minimum. And it's got four divisions and two corps, but so that's the that's the that's the frustrating thing for me is trying to figure out 
And so what, uh, what you're talking about is order, order of battle stuff in terms of just to be able to sit down and, and do some analysis. Because if you take the number 200,000, which is generally what was reported that they, they had amassed along the entire border, right? And, and you begin to divide that up into three efforts, right? And then you, yeah. then you, you begin to peel out the, lo- the logistics involved in it, right? And, 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 you, and you, you, you start to see the problem, and now you're going to go invest the city. And yeah, and, and I, don't, I don't know what the Russian is, but I believe that the American uh, order of battle is reported as about seven support personnel for every combat soldier, and I think that takes in the entire, you know, the whole Army and Marine Corps. And so in, in the MEF... Um, you know, how many support people are there per combat soldiers? It's, uh, I don't know, 50, 60, 70%, something like that. Right. And so the Russian army may be leaner, maybe fatter, who knows, but 200,000 turns into 80,000 combat troops pretty quick, turns into five divisions maybe five divisions and you know you were talking about Fallujah earlier we we took two regimental combat teams to take two pretty heavy regimental combat teams to take a city of what 5,000 6,000 people in Fallujah 8,000 I thought it was I thought it was upwards of 20 okay 20,000 so it took us two regimental combat teams which in effect is a division a light division Division minus, right? Well, and by the time you threw in the army units that supported it as well, right? And other people that that sat on the cordon, you know, I mean, I would I would say it was it's a division operation. Yeah, a division operation. Yeah, for one one shit that's that's geographically very isolated, right? You oh knew God. exactly where the the boundary of it was. Hold on, hold on. This let me, is let, let, me, let me let me correct us. Population of Fallujah, 275,000 people. But at the time, and what Will's talking about is, but by the time we got after it, that thing, only people that were wanted to die were in there, or at least wanted yeah. to fight for a little while were in there. And that was estimated at less than uh, 20, 25,000, I think. And, and, and again, very isolated, right? If you went here, you were in Fallujah. And if you stepped two feet over there, you were out of Fallujah. Right. 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 Well, and, 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 and the other thing I want to talk about is, as we kind of begin this discussion is, look, <clears throat> if you want to talk about we rolled through that thing and we blasted them while we were there, that's one thing. If you want to talk about we're in control of this, that is a completely different kettle of fish. And so to me, as, as I was thinking about this, um, uh, you know, last night I didn't sleep very well. So I, as I was thinking about this, I thought, man, because uh, I, I, read, I, I read something um, that said, if this doesn't go well, right, if this goes sideways and it begins to look like the Ukrainians will stop them, somebody will assassinate Vladimir Putin. And I went, whoa, whoa, whoa. And I thought, and then I thought, you know, the numbers that he has, he's got an inexperienced military, 
and they're going to lose guys at the start, right? They're going to lose experienced guys at the start, and so you, that thing's going to change. And then you're going to go invest. You're going to go try to lay the wood to Kiev or whatever we're calling it these days. Um, and all the all the you know all the assets that that takes just to take a small part of the city, let alone control it. You won't control it, right? And then you start looking at the you know, enormity to the task. And I, I go back to, you know, us talking about a huge role of the dice on his part. And the more you kind of do troop to task, the more you look at it and say, rut row, right? This is, this is a large task for the, for what he's assembled to do there. And, and if I could, you know, when we were talking about this, was it two weeks ago? And I think you asked us to prognosticate. And I said, I don't see him invading. I, I can't stand in his shoes and calculate, but it just seems crazy. And that's what sort of got me, you know, a little cognitive dissonance now is that I'm just having a hard time seeing uh, how it ends well. I was I was wrong. I attempted to predict Vladimir Putin's, you know, um, actions, and I was absolutely wrong. That's obvious. Um but Popul- I makes it harder. Right. Population of Kiev, three plus million. Three, yeah. Three, yeah. And I'm going to tell you, we had the better part of a division in Fallujah when there was less than 20,000. And, and then, then they, they, they started, you know, after we began to lay the wood to it, a lot of those guys took off. And then there was this hardcore group that was willing to die in there, and they did. And... um but it took the whole division to control the city, right? And then, you know, not long thereafter, as army units left to go back to Baghdad and where they had come from, you know, other units went out west where Will operated because, um, we, you know, we, we, we faked it when we masked, right? But again, as the Russians will, they will mass to do Kiev. Their whole, all their lines of communication, right? You know, their logistical lines, right, are all going to be long and extended and exposed, and you've got to guard those. And that's, you know, so so I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be fascinating in terms of military operation. And, uh, and uh, I mean, God, I, let me just tell you, God bless the Ukrainians. I remember there's a scene in uh, Forgotten Soldier um, when you read it, and it was, it was, you know, it was when the, the Russians are kicking the Germans' ass, asses out of Russia. And the lead character in The Forgotten Soldier, a guy named Guy Césaire, he's, um, his mother is German, so he joins the German army. His father's Fr- French. He grows up in the Alsace-Lorraine region. And so he, he joins the, the branch of the military that his mother, who was a dominant person in the family, tells him he should. And uh, as they're getting their asses you know, kicked in the Battle of Encirclements, they would be they would be encircled by the Russians, and then the Germans would would find a spot in the in the encirclement, and they would hammer a wedge through it. They would hold the shoulders, and they would get as many people out of it. And Caesar and his division, what the the Gross Deutschland, I think it was, yeah, they're marching out of it, right, getting out of this encirclement to their great relief. But there's there's German tankers, right, in their black uniforms with their black covers on, Panzer tankers, and they're smoking cigarettes sitting in their tanks, and they're going the other way. 
because they're going to they're going to they're going to counterattack the Russians as Russian you know try to deal with this opening in it, right? I mean, when you ride and the Grim Reapers like standing straight in front of you, that is incredible human courage, man. And I you know again, uh, um, when you look at what the Ukrainians are up against and that they're fighting their asses off, I mean, I, I don't know. Uh, to me, it's it's. Uh, uh, there is no greater courage, I think, than for your country, than you you, you head towards what is more than likely not going to be a, a very good outcome for you. And I, I can't say uh, how much courage that takes. And, and God bless them. But you know the the thing too is I think we had a conversation offline about the sanctions, and and if we go back and review the record of the last two weeks, two months, whatever, you know, the U.S. has been talking about all these sanctions they're going to level. And then we were talking on here, the only thing Russia produces that anybody buys is oil and gas. And so the only thing we didn't sanction was the oil and gas industry. And then if you read uh, a little bit deeper into some of the reporting, there's a thing called SWIFT, S-W-I-F-T. And it, mm-hmm. if I understand it right, it's like how we do international bank transactions, mm-hmm. which has to occur whenever you sell oil and gas. because you got to convert uh, everything into dollars to buy it, and then they turn it into rubles and whatever. And then, and we didn't turn on any swift sanctions, which I think we did with the Iranians, much to the chagrin of all the Europeans. Because yep. then the Europeans, that really prevents them from doing business in Iran. So for all the bullshit rhetoric about, you know, he's going to face sanctions like he's never faced before, um, I don't know what we're sanctioning if we're not sanctioning oil, gas, and we're not cutting them off from the international banking system. Well, let me ask you this. So when did, when a nation wages war against another nation, when did it become the thing to do, like, oh, we will target them specifically because we don't want to hurt the Russian people? You have to hurt the Russian yeah. people. This well, He is their government. And so this, I, I was reading this the other day, like, exactly what you're talking about. This kind of pristine, we're not gonna, we're not gonna limit our damage. What do you mean? That's he's gone to war. This well, is the greatest he, military operation since World War II. Here, my point of it is, um, he's got nuclear weapons. So, so I would say, and it's just narrative at that point. You know, Harris and Biden out talking about all these hor- horrifics. Not want to get into a nuclear war over fucking Ukraine, right? Or do we? No, correct. Correct. And and so the idea that we're going to bluster about the sanctions, I don't think is helpful. I'm not I'm not sure um, everything that we could have done, because at some point, international boundaries should mean something, I guess. Um, well, it even means something to the Chinese, right? And, and, yeah. And what you've seen in the last 48 hours is the Chinese, as people have begun to look at them, doing their Watusi. Right? Hey, you have this big thing about sovereignty, and the Russians are violating it, and you are their chief supporter and sponsor, uh, in particular economically, and um, and you know so that's been interesting to watch. But again, if you won't if you won't do the one thing that you had, and and I was talking to my son Patrick about this, I said, you'll know if we're serious if we cut them off from international financial transactions. If we don't. Then it's bullshit because everything yeah. else, everything else is just is 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 you know marginal nonsense, and that's what to me. And it makes you look it, to me. It makes you look. It makes the Western nations look weak, 
and uh, and, and and they look even weaker now in the face of, you know, the courage of the Ukrainian people. We won't support that, right? And so, so let me ask you the let me ask you the calculus about though. So, do you think, right? So, are we are we shaking in our boots because of Putin's threat to use nuclear weapons if we if we retaliate or get involved in this? Is that what we're afraid of? Is that our calculus? No, we 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 cannot be that stupid. I I don't think that the threat of nu- of of uh, using nuclear weapons is credible. I think the threat of him getting a bullet in the head is much more credible. And uh, no, I I don't think that's it at all. I also think that the longer Kiev holds out, the longer that the Ukrainians do not fold like a wet taco, to quote Jeff, which is what they did in 2014 and 2015. As long as they don't fold, there is going to be an increasing uh, um, uh, desire on the part of all free peoples to join in and help out in this fight. And I look at today from uh, Reuters, published about uh, nine hours ago. Momentum grows to ban Russia from Swiss swift payment system. That and and this is and this is beautiful because it's not the Americans driving this stuff, it's the Europeans. You've got Poles. I, I don't know how many Europeans are moving into Ukraine now to, to help fight, but the Ukraine president asked every European with combat experience, of which there are a considerable number surrounding him. To come join the fight, and I don't, and I, and I believe you're going to see. I, I know for a fact. I don't know for a fact. Excuse me. I seriously suspect there are Americans. There's always some Commonwealth dudes, Brits and South Africans, that show up at these places. You always find them in in in, in the uh, conflict environments. There's people that are jumping in to 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 get in on on the fight. And um, I mean, already jumping in to get in the fight. I think if this goes on for a few more weeks, you're going to have entire regiments from Sweden, the Baltic areas and what have you um, coming to join into this fight, which raises the issue of Sweden and Finland joining NATO. Because just yesterday, as they were talking about uh, Article 4 sanctions, Sweden and Finland sat in there um, as as part participants and if you look at the countries surrounding Russia all of them all of them fought in ISAF not 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 to I mean granted the the, the, uh, the um, uh, Finland didn't contribute much more than a few hundred but Sweden sent the battle group and they were battling like demons down there in Erzgan I think it was Poland fought Lithuania Latvia Estonia Ukraine Romania all of them, except for Moldova, all of them participated in Afghanistan during that 20 years of fighting. And a lot of those formations saw serious no-shit combat. And it's clear, the narrative is crystal clear. Who has the moral high ground in this fight? I, I remember as we were talking to the leader, I expressed sympathy for Russia's position about, you know, the 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 a shit cannon and elected government and stuff like that that was legitimately elected. I, I I could see his point. All sympathy to Vladimir Putin evaporated with this with this massive invasion that I sure as hell didn't see either. I was like, Will, I I I I thought, why the hell would he do that? There's nothing but downside. What could he possibly gain? And now we're watching in real time, there's nothing but downside. He's not gaining shit that I can tell. And but but then again we're, we don't know. The uh, the maps I was using are from the Institute of the Study of War, 
who identify army groupings, but they're all identified as on the peripheries, not going in, that I have no idea how much of that combat power has gone in, but it's no goddamn way it's gonna be enough. Not a country that size with a bunch of people that are pissed off. And my final observation is, at the border, as Ukrainians are trying to flee, everybody is allowed to go through, but any males between the age of 18 and 60 are detained and told all males will fight. They're not allowed to go through these these uh, checkpoints. And you can see, I have watched some video of these interesting things where these rather confused-looking 30-year-old dudes are like, well, I guess I'm going to have to go and fight. No, no, no. This, this is... This is already a disaster for Russia. There, there is no fucking way they're going to pull uh, um, victories out of the jaws of defeat. They're going to get their asses worn out, and and it's going to be a beautiful thing to watch. That was my that was my dream last night. Honestly, it was it was you know you their military power at, <clears throat> is at its apex prior to unleashing it. Right. Right, the potential right. of shock and awe, blah 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 blah, and uh, once you unleash it, then, and again, we just went through twenty years of, you know, a bunch of guys who roll around in the dirt. They didn't get the fucking memo, and they didn't play the game. They didn't. They didn't know. You know, again, to quote Robert Duvall from uh, Apocalypse Now, <clears throat> these people are savages. Don't they know when they're defeated? Answer: uh, No, they didn't get that memo, and so. Um, so to me, it's fascinating. Absolutely, yeah. positively fascinating. Will? And, and, and you yeah. saw the Taliban able to negate, neg negate serious technical advantages like FLIR. You, you know, how, how could you not see him walking through the mountains in the middle of the night when it's freezing out there? I don't know, but they figured out a way so that they get into the scene walking through the mountains when it's freezing out there. That, and they're low-tech dudes. Ukrainians are not low-tech people. No, this, this is going to be it. An interesting show, in my in my opinion. And what is and, and Finland's resented being a, a, a forced to be a client state of the Soviet Empire, declared their 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 uh, uh, um, declared themselves a free and sovereign people when the Russian Soviets dissolved. But Putin's been been freaking putting the uh, screws to them about remaining a buffer state. Now the Finns see what happens to Ukraine when they don't go along with the program. Is, is is Putin? Can Putin start fighting the Finns and the Ukrainians at the same time? And if he does, does Sweden join? And do we get involved? Do the Brits? Do everybody else? Because you, I think, I, I think so. I think so. This could this could be a big fucking deal, man. Yeah. I, uh, to me, again, nuclear weapons negate all of that, and uh, I, I don't think. The, you know, Putin makes the overt threat, which is ridiculous because there's always the threat. And uh, so I, I, I would be concerned that this turns into too much of a horrific disaster for the Russians. Not that I have any sympathy for him, obviously. Um, and if Putin gets assassinated, then who comes in? And you say, well, it couldn't be worse than that. I say, well, be careful what you wish for. Yeah, no. Um, yeah. You know, we, we would like, I think, the best case for, and, and look, don't forget, the Russians are pumping 10%, 10% of the world's oil. So if we take 10% of the world's oil off the market, oil goes from, I think it closes at about $100 a barrel, right? It doesn't go up 10%. It goes up 100%. 
if you take 10% off the market? And what does that do to the entire industrialized world? So <laughs> it ain't all peaches and cream if Ooh. the Russians really get their, you know, clocks well, clean. Well, let, let, so, so let's talk about, let's talk about that calculus, if you will. Um, using a nuclear weapon. Let's let's just say that that it does go south. Let's just say they get stopped in two in three of the four, and they begin to struggle. And now this thing, right? It's like one of those hydroplanes where you see it catch air and then begin to lift up. This thing is now going to go over on top of us. Okay, and so um, uh, give me your thoughts on how does do, do you fire one out in the middle of nothing and say. This thing ended right now. Is that what you do if you're if you're him? If, if, if Putin, you're Putin, if you're Putin, you know it's it's the it's the warning shot to the entire planet, right? I ain't going out like this. Yeah, okay, so, that's, so, and that's so that's the the whole Cold War. We're concerned about a wacko, right, and a miscalculation, right. and we survived it for however many sixty years without it happening, and and this is our this is the absolute worst case scenario, an incalculable, uh, undeterrable sort of situation. And, uh, and then think through our chain of command. Wow. When do you get to the first adult in the room? I don't know who it is. But, you know, we're going we're gonna to have... George Smith at one math? I mean, we're going to have, yeah, we're going to have, think about it. We're going to have Jake Sullivan giving advice with Tony Blinken and Lloyd Austin and Kamala Harris and Joe Biden. And and that's who's in the fucking room. And General, well, General General Milley. Milley. Yeah. That's who's in the room. And, 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 which, which makes and none of pour cold water on your soul right, right there. And none of them have made a courageous moral decision, you know, it probably in their life. You know, all of them are what I what I call high functioning conformists. They're well, political, and some of them are low functioning conformists. Po- yeah, no shit. Political political um, expediency. And high-functioning conformism. And so, you know, I think you were talking about that relative to the miscalculation. Okay, so, yeah. so and, hey, but, but I hey. think they calculated Western resolve appropriately. What they didn't calculate well, Ukrainian resolve. Ukrainian resolve. Right, yeah. right. Tim? It, the, the part of what is really uh, making this an enjoyable evolution for me is the fact that our national command authority is irrelevant at the moment, irrelevant. They have been, the only thing I've seen about them was the uh, administration telling Zelensky to not talk to, 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 to Russia, that they'll take care of all that kind of stuff. Only the U.S. can talk to Russia about this thing. Now, this is in one of these last refuge, um, you know, conservative aggregators. So who knows the veracity of it? I, I, I don't know. But I like the fucking story because there's not a damn thing we can do right now outside of, of giving them well, what we sh- what we hopefully are giving them, which is some predator feed, some drone drone support and whatnot. Um, prior to the invasion, there were a lot of U.S. drones over Ukraine. 
with the transponders turned on so you could see them on those aviation navigation websites. Every, and those things obviously disappeared the second the Russians launched across the line of departure, which happened two seconds after I told you, I'm convinced they'll never do that, <laughs> which is just amazing. <laughs> but, uh, but, but at you any know, rate, the only thing you can, ask, hey, Timmy, the only thing you can ask for a podcast from a podcast expert is consistency. Okay. <laughs> it's consistent. Yeah. Well, I, I, I haven't been consistent on the wrong calls, but I was dead wrong on that one. So, so, but I don't, I, so he launches a nuke. What, what are we going to do? Are we going to back off? Is everybody going to go, whoa, wait a second. I, we've got to give him what he wants. He used a nuke. The fuck that's going to work. That nuke is a double edged sword. He uses a nuke and it's curtains for Russia. Curtains. <laughs> Curtain? No, they, no, he's not. Curtains? He can't. He can't. He can't do that without getting a tremendous amount of response in return. That is kinetic in nature. There's no fucking way we're going to let him launch a nuke and walk away. That's not, not going to happen. Right. I, I, I disagree. That, that there's nothing kinetic happens, but then the entire world opinion goes to the isolation, and and then you know it's all the swift. It's the oil market. It's everything else. And they turn into a failed state, and but right. that's a nightmare scenario for us. No, no it is. Again. It is not. It's. It's. There's nothing good about it at all, and uh, you know we ourselves could import oil from from Russia. It's a recent yeah. development. We used to export it to everybody, but not anymore. And that's uh, all. These chickens are coming home to roost, and it's and it makes our current administration look even worse than I think they look on a regular basis, which is pretty fucking bad. You know, one of the spin that also is going to come is that how many hundreds of thousands or potentially million refugees are going to come out of Ukraine and those border states to Ukraine um, are not looking forward to taking them. So they're going to be pressuring for an end of the conflict and they may be putting the pre instead of pressuring Russia, right? The people at fault for this, they'd be pressuring Ukraine to surrender to whatever Putin's desires are. I mean, those are the the human yeah, flows that influence the yeah, neighbor states. But let me tell you, nobody's going to influence you, Ukraine, right? Nobody. I mean, hey, we got cut loose by you guys, and we yeah, exactly. we appreciated your marginal support for us, standing off at a distance. All these circular bruises we have on us is that 8,000-foot pole you were treating with, us with, and then you left us to our fate. And now you're going to tell us to stop? Fuck you, all right? Do you want me to translate that into Ukrainian? Here's what it sounds like. Fuck you. Sounds a lot I like... I saw the meme. I saw the perfect meme today. Remember the scene in Animal House when they... The, the fat guy had borrowed his brother's really nice car and then they took it out and destroyed it. And they put their arm around him and they say, hey, face it, you fucked up. You trusted us. So, so, so the meme is the fat guy is Ukraine and the, the, the guy explaining it is the Western world. Face you it, you fucked up. You trusted us. Hey, you believed us when we told you when we, we would guarantee your safety, and if you gave up the nukes, and it would all be good. And yeah. and 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 then we left you to your fate. And now you pulled. Um, I won't say a rabbit out of a hat because I, I think if you really sat down, I'd be curious to you know to 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 to, to have 
heard the conversations among the people that you know you know know the military side of this and 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 whatnot and and looking at the size of ukraine and looking at the what they've amassed and and wh- who was going to do what and the challenge of that over extended lines of communication to maintain that if the ukrainian people fought if the ukrainian military survived and fought and um I would be curious to, to know what they thought that if this thing, again, it's like, and I hate to oversimplify it, but, but I, I will. When, you, when you're playing sports and you're supposed to hammer somebody and you come out and it's not a great effort, the worst thing that happens is they look around and they say, we could beat these guys. And now you're in for a fight, right? And I, that's where this thing is now. I, it, it's beyond that because the greatest moves that, that Vladimir Putin could make, he's already made. It only gets more difficult and more shitty from now on. From now on, and again, those urban centers, man. You know, if you if you've never read about Stalingrad, and the way you know the way Stalingrad became a a death suction hole for the Sixth Army of uh, what it was like eight hundred thousand German soldiers were 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 surrounded and lost at Stalingrad, and they poured. You know, they poured it all into that city and and then and the Russians got in got it on with them. And so um so to me it does it only gets worse from here on in. Extended li- extended lines and urban centers and that he will not be able to control. He does not have the ass uh to do that. And uh and again, in those cities they will play whack a mole. They'll they'll mass and they'll go there and again Molotov cocktails from high-rise buildings. I mean, you, I mean, you've seen, you know, videos of what are you going to do tonight? You know, 25-year-old girls. I'm going to go make Molotov cocktails with my friends, right? You're like, holy shit, man. And so, again, it, I think it'll be, it'll be interesting. And then what do you do with those targets? Do you start leveling apartment buildings and shit like that? You know? Cause exactly. Someone, right, which, and- which, would, which would not surprise us relative to the Russians. But, it's, but it, it's, it will all, all occur live streamed on television right with all the you know with all everything that comes out and really and, really and, and, and the so, rubble. just one, one point point with the effect that that's going to have on his benefactor which is xi jinping right now all eyes go to china it's like are, you're the, you're you're the sponsor of this you're the guarantor. stop this right now so i think it's going to be fascinating to watch fascinating yeah if they start rubbling kiev that that takes away their mobility advantage and it re and it and it puts a significant advantage on the defenders because they can fight out of rubble and they have adequate anti-tank weapons that can allow them to fight out of rubble and and so that that uh, using heavy ar- ar- artillery barrages is counterproductive because it just ultimately slows them down and so as you look at who's on the border of of, of the ukraine obviously there's nobody going to belarus that's a that's where the soviets came out or excuse me russians came out of but Poland's, Poland's indicated they'll take anybody who wants to come. I think Romania's opened the doors to them. And then it's Hungary and Slo- Slovakia. I don't think those people are going to have, uh, are, are going to uh, um, balk at all at taking in refugees. And, and again, particularly the Poles, I got to believe that they've got their own version of little green men getting into that fight. I mean, because they're Poles, they're good at that shit. This is this is going to be a tremendous awakening, and I think as the as the entire world starts uh, 
rooting for Ukraine for the exact reason that you just said, Matt. It's it's like an overconfident team in a Super Bowl on the very first offensive series of the first quarter going for it on fourth and one and getting jammed. And you watch the momentum that team thought they were carrying as they pulled that move evaporate. And only the very, very best could ever recover from that kind of a, of a mistake. And that's just fucking football. But it's something I think that everybody can identify with. And I think that's exactly what happened when those those major thrusts got blunted. The president, instead of uh, taking a Blinken's offer of a plane ride out, like our Erst, like our Afghan president did, he's like, nope, I'm staying to fight. Everybody's staying to fight. I, I'm, I'm all pumped up about this. I think this is going to turn out splendidly. And it, at the same time, highlighting just how ineffective our military is and oh by the way if we did get involved in that the hell's the marines going to do they where are we going to get the tanks to go with our tracks which we'd have to put it back in play oh my goodness i, I don't even want to think about how yeah, that would be problematic how but, the one, yeah. but the one thing we'd be good at is we'd be good at foraging so our logistical footprint would not be so much so we that's the best thing we do bro that's our that's one of our famous things we we find some tanks I'm reads will find some tanks for you. No, I don't mean foraging. <laughs> I don't mean foraging for tanks. Just foraging for food. Talk, be... I was foraging for army gear. That's another one of our great, our great strengths. All right, Will's got to go to the track. So, uh, final thought, Will. Um, you know, I was I was dead wrong about the prognostication, and I'm I'm trying to be very careful. Uh, you know, taking the reports at about fifty percent value. All right. And, and trying to see it through that lens. And, I, you know, I've been in Florida on vacation, so I haven't really read a whole lot about it. But I think if you, if you read a couple of different sources, you can start to get their thread and their narrative and determine, you know, what their angle is. I don't know anyone out there that's reporting right now straight up, straight, flat news without some sort of influence on it. I don't know that it's possible in the modern world. So you sort of got to pick up what their thread and their narrative is, and then that way you can discount whatever they're reporting to try and get at the truth. And it takes at least three, I would say, if not five, right, kind of sources. And so um, whatever's in the headline is crap, right? How do you get to the truth? That's how I attempt to get to the truth. So that's where I am. Yeah, I'm similar in, you know, and I looked at military.com has a has an updating news feed. Uh, Dan Lamoth of the Washington Post uh, is is trying to do is doing one. They're doing something. New York Times doing stuff, obviously. But I would tell you though the 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 strain or, or the the leaning of those that I saw is similar. This is not going as well as the Russians wanted wanted it to, and there are indications that, although unconfirmed, the Ukrainians have been an effective fighting force and have blunted this thing. Can't, yeah, I, can't I, confirm I that yet. You, 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 I, I, and I think that's just, that, that's kind of the, the strain that I got. So, uh, Timmy, a final thought? Uh, you know, um, to, just last week, the, the Ukrainian elites were thought of as nothing but a bunch of people that were uh, uh, raping the country, were, you know, taking out large gobs of money, giving it to people like uh, like Hunter Biden. They were considered to be corrupt. And that all that has changed now in the last 48 hours, led by President Zelensky, who's one of them, who's who has said, no, we're staying to fight. So 
you might if 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 it's to the point where even the elites are are, are putting their lives on the line to say we're not going to capitulate to 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 Russia. I think that's a that's a very big deal. And I'm and Tim, I'm, that's the thing though. That this is what I'm talking about. Zelensky. We wouldn't know. Staying, yeah. Zelensky's staying. And that's the headline, and it's a great headline. There's no evidence that any other money is staying there and any no. other people. No, no, there's not. I'm I'm only reading the summaries I like I said I get from that Institute of War, and it just <laughs> it's it's a hopeful narrative. Um, yeah, but you but we don't know. You you're right. We don't know. But if that is what's happening, that's a huge big deal. And for the first time in in what I feel to be my lifetime, NATO now has some relevance. For crying out loud! How, how is NATO relevant? I mean, because me, yes, we just talked about the absurd character that, that NATO is, that's and, right. and the that's most right. absurd thing is Putin saying it has some form of offensive capability that threatens him. It's a joke. Threatens you offensively it can't even fucking defend itself defensively let alone threaten you offensively the only thing missing was the rim shot when he said that in that fucked up speech that's right but yesterday (laughs) yesterday the nato secretary secretary general declared that a cyber attack constitutes cause for article 5 action that's what they were meeting about trying to discuss when they had sweden and finland give me a break if you're afraid if if you're afraid to do the swift shit you're going to fucking go out on a limb and say, yeah, Article you know, 5 applies to a cyber attack? And it straight up does, right? It, yeah, it straight up does, but give me a fucking like break. That. NATO's scared. NATO's afraid. I don't, I, I, Are I, you fucking I'm selling me NATO? I'm, You're selling me I'm, NATO I'm, no. now as a podcast expert? You fuck? No, 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 no. As a podcast expert, if NATO does in fact say to Sweden and Finland, come on in, that's a big fucking deal. It doesn't make them militarily that relevant, but when the NATO Secretary oh, General starts talking, I thought we were talking about being militarily relevant, not like conversationally no. relevant. Oh no, 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 no! I'm sorry. I'm talking about the fact that as an entity, particularly if they take in Finland and, and Sweden, that's kicking Russia when they're when they're when they're when they're getting their ass kicked already. That's a good way of doing business. They become relevant, not as a military organization per se, many, but I don't think to, that to you quote, need that. To quote Joe Stalin, how many divisions does Finland have? He said Dude, it. He Joe said, Stalin got his ass kicked by Finland, as you well remember. He, he said it. He said it about the Pope, though. Okay. Yeah, I know he said it about the Pope. The no, Finns, let me just Finns, tell you. I mean, if the you, Finns kicked their ass in the it, in the World War II. Here's here's the other thing. Got here's the other thing, and then we'll let Will go. Um. Putin is is now personifying the evil thing that he's been accused of being for all these years. Unambiguously. And Unambiguously. so does he teach Western Europe the lesson, right, that people like Donald Trump, have? T- you've got to do more. Germany, you've got to have a functioning military, okay? You just can't stand there in your fucking lederhosen and wish everybody good luck because we did something fucked up 100 years ago. Okay, we're over it. You need to get over it too, all right? And you need to join the League of Free Nations and do your fucking share, you know? But again, NATO is a joke. It is, it is the United States and, and, you know, the Netherlands, their C-130 refueling squadron, okay? And, and so it, it's that. I mean, even to the point where the Brits and the French, they're, they're, they're shadows of what they used to be. And so I think Vladimir Putin has done the West a huge favor— in becoming, you know, what people said he was. 
Yeah, I, I, I get it, but and they don't have big militaries, but the Dutch, they fucking battled in Urzgan for no, years. I, okay, I got it, man. But the Urzgan yeah, ain't the Russians. That's a footnote to why we have this thing, and we're going to go use it. And so, Right, I got you. I got that, but the Russians are easier in the respect that you don't have what? to fucking figure out who the bad guys are. It's a little well, bit of no, a cleaner, it's a different, easier battle. If it's, it's a different type of warfare, but I, easier? Come easier on, come for on, sure, man. dude. There's not, you don't, they're not going to melt away into the local population dude. on you. Okay, let's stop. All right, let's just stop. All right, all right. All right, all right. All right. So, Will, good luck at the track. Uh, we'll do this tomorrow morning, if you can. When do you fly home? Uh, I got a flight. Our flight's at 9.30 Eastern. Eastern. Zero nine zero nine thirty zero nine thirty Eastern. So. So you have to be there at eight thirty, which means you have to leave at what time? Uh, about uh, seven forty-five. So we would have to o'clock. do we would have to do this at two in the morning. Or which is at, which I'm good with because it'll at, be eleven o'clock for me. Or at or at thirteen hundred or fourteen hundred C. Today. No, like thirteen or fourteen hundred C tomorrow. Oh, okay. yeah, that would be, be that would be better. Okay, so we'll do that. All right, boys, thank you very much for hopping in here, and uh, good luck at the track, Will and Tim. All right, I appreciate it, Tim. Don't right. be afraid to get involved in some kind of twelve stepper to. Uh, <laughs> to, to <laughs> no, nah, I'm kidding. All right, boys, thank you. All right, All right brother, talk to you. Hey, I'm fu- I'm fucking fired up, man. The Ukrainians, this- man. I mean, that brings tears to your eyes. Fucking looking at in the, and say, hey, today's a good day to die. These motherfuckers going down. And then we then we kick their ass a little bit. We start looking around and going, holy shit, boys. Holy shit. <clears throat> right? Guess what? General so-and-so told us that we could do this, even without anybody else's help. So it'll be, it'll be, it'll be interesting to watch. And maybe because I'm in Florida and doing day drinking, I'm not fired up about this at all. It seems bizarre to me and imminently dangerous with the people that we have in charge of our country. Right oh, now. my God. 